Hi, welcome to Eurocron. I'm your host, Scott Pitney. Eurocron is a podcast where we chronicle extraordinary people and their extraordinary stories. Our goal is simple, entertain, inspire, educate, and at times humor our audience while our guests build their audio legacy. So let's get right to our next extraordinary story. Welcome back to Your Cron. Jesse Samaripa running for position of constable for Precinct 3, Fort Bend County, and Wayne Thompson, the current constable for Precinct 3. In part one of this podcast, we discuss briefly some of the programs that Wayne started almost four years ago in the strategy to keep these programs going, which a big part of that strategy is to campaign for Jesse to be elected into Wayne's position. Jesse has worked very closely with Wayne and knows about the program intimately. Tonight, we'll discuss the programs in more detail and the issues facing Fort Bend County's residents and law enforcement agencies. Gentlemen, welcome back to your crime. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. All right. Absolutely. So let's jump in and start off with supervisor experience. Wayne, why don't you start with that one? Sure. Uh, you know, one of the questions, and I think tonight's a great night to be able to to hash out some of these tougher questions that people have been asking, and rightfully so. I think that people want to know that when they vote for someone, they have the right experience and knowledge and background to fulfill those shoes. And, and the role of constable has definitely got big shoes to fill in Precinct 3. So, uh, you know, Jesse and I have been out and about, and we've talked to people, knocked on a lot of doors. And uh, one of the questions we get asked is, you know, what is your current experience and, and, and what about supervisory experience? And I'll let, I'll let Jesse speak to his own experience. But I think uh, it's a valid question, but people also need to remember that uh, you can lead from any position. You can lead from being a patrol person to being a, to the sheriff, to the constable. And it doesn't require that you have stripes on your arm or, or brass on your shoulders to be a leader. So I, I think uh, Jesse will be able to fill in people on, on why he's got what it takes for this. Well, Scott, in my opinion, at this point, I don't hold any any rank in the position I'm in right now. But you don't need to hold rank to be a supervisor. I've been an officer for 23 years. I also have been a field training officer. And the fact that I've trained, they've entrusted me to train young officers on the street. And I've done that. A lot of these young officers have gone on to be supervisors. Why under my watch? I have to point out that the current sheriff today, when he got elected, he was also a deputy. Didn't hold any rank whatsoever, and has gone on to was gone on, went on to be a constable, and now a sheriff. I also want to point out the previous constable that was there in Wayne's office also did not hold any rank whatsoever. His rank was an officer, and he held the office for 28 years. I've been a former business owner as well. I've had to budget myself in the business I was in. I've had to supervise several employees to making sure that everything worked well. Every business I've owned has been successful. So you don't have to hold stripes or bars. You just have to have the heart. And I have that. I have the heart. 
I have the experience, and I have the want to help the people of Prince Henry. Three. Thank you, Scott. I've heard the term duplication of services. What is that specifically, and and why is that an an important issue? Well, there's people that say that that the constable's office and the sheriff's office that you duplicate their services. Uh, why are you duplicating the services? Well, that's not the case. The case is that the sheriff's office has certain divisions within the department. The constable's office has certain divisions within their department, all right? Sometimes they might get crossed. Let's talk about maybe a traffic stop. Let's, let's for example, fire department. You might have the KD fire department, you might have the full fire department. In between the lines, you might have a big building that's on fire. Well, KD gets called out, KD calls Fulcher's and says, hey, we got a big fire here, we need some help. Well, they come over there, they help out. Doesn't mean you're duplicating the services, just means you got more manpower to take care of a problem. Same here. You got the sheriff's office, you got the constable's office. Sometimes they cross over to help each other. Doesn't mean they're duplicated. Constable office now, they, they've gotten involved in human trafficking, narcotics, traffic. They have a motorcycle unit now. So the more people that Katie has, the more police officers that, that we have, the better for us, the better for you. You know, the safety is our main concern. So why do we even want to think about getting rid of programs? There's no reason for it. I'd rather have backup fast. I'm sure that a family member, a friend that's in trouble, let's hope that never happens, right? That you have as many officers as possible to be able to help you in the time of need. Yeah, personally, I don't even see why that's question or an issue. I mean, the more officers, the better, but uh, I guess people are asking about that. Certainly. Topic. Wayne can answer that a little bit more than I can because the question then brought up to him a little bit more than me. Yeah. Uh, you're right, Scott, and I, I think that Jesse covered it well. You know, there's a difference between duplication and overlapping. And he, he gave a good example with the fire departments. You know, I'd also like to say there's many other law enforcement agencies out there. You know, we have five cities in our precinct. Uh, a few of them have their own city police departments, and although we don't go in and, and take over their calls, we're always there as a resource. And if people call us from one of those cities and they're asking for our help, we're going we're gonna to come with help. Uh, so, uh, you know, having an overlap is good. There's a reason in Texas why in our Constitution it requires a constable and a sheriff. And quite frankly, at our office, we focused on things that weren't dealt with before. And I'll give some examples. One, uh, the human trafficking, and I know we'll talk about that in a little bit. We've teamed up with the district attorney's office and done amazing things in that arena, both with education and going out and, and prosecuting those who, who engage in it. The motor assistance program. There is no other county agency that does that in Fort Bend. Only one other constable's office in Texas does that. It's not a duplication. Animal investigator, full-time. We're the only county law enforcement agency that has that. It's not being duplicated. It wasn't being done. So we, we went after that, and we've been successful with that. And that's important because with animal crimes, we also find a lot of other crimes. Could be narcotics activity, dog fighting, child abuse, whatever the case is. It's not being duplicated. It's things that haven't been done before. We, we have a SWAT team because I don't believe that the SWAT team from Rosenberg uh, on the other side of the Brazos River can get out to I-10 
uh, in our area quick enough. If there's a school shooting, it's not being duplicated. It just hasn't been done. There's not another unit out here that can do that. I can give many more examples. Drone program, uh, once again, you know, the sheriff's office has one. It's tethered to their command van. Ours is, is not in a tether. It can go wherever we need it to go. So those are examples of things where, uh, you know, I believe that it's, we, we haven't even duplicated. What we have done is we've found our niche and we've gone after those, those empty pockets that haven't been filled before. No disrespect to any other agency, but there, there's plenty of room and plenty of bad guys for all of us out there. Human trafficking. It's been brought up a couple of times. <clears throat> this is obviously a disturbing topic and a huge issue facing our society. How big of a problem is human trafficking in Fort Bend County when you want to take this question? I'll start off um, since I'm at the mic. And uh, I think that what we've discovered, first of all, the human trafficking issue is disturbing, as you, as you mentioned. And it's a tough subject to talk about. And there's many forms of human trafficking. It could be labor trafficking. It could be sex trafficking. And there's a few others. But most importantly, I think it's people need to know this isn't something that Wayne Thompson came up with. This is a problem that both our governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, president of the United States have said this is a national epidemic. Not my opinion. This is fact. We know that. Fort Bend County and Precinct 3 specifically encompasses two major highways, Highway 59, also known as Interstate 69 now, and Highway 10 or I-10. And those are major trafficking corridors, not just for human trafficking, sex trafficking, but also drug, drug uh, trafficking and narcotics trafficking back and forth. Those both go through Precinct 3 on, on the far ends of our precinct. And you'd be mistaken to think that that doesn't bring human trafficking to our area. Last year in July with Operation Freedom, we were able to arrest 64 people who were involved, two, two of which were 15-year-old females that were being trafficked. Not to mention that there were gang members <laughs> that were trafficking people from uh, Aryan uh, Brotherhood and MS-13. Those are serious gangs and serious problems, and they're right here. So as Jesse knows in his experience, especially being in this area, you know that, that although it may be well hidden, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And when other elected officials choose to neglect that, even though from the highest level of government we know it's a problem, I take issue with that. And so we teamed up with the DA's office and we made it a priority. We were successful. We continue to do that. We began education programs in the schools and with community groups and churches. And I think Jesse's going to expand on that even. So I'm, I'm sure he has some thoughts. Before before uh, we go to Jesse, I just when, when you say neglect, um, can you expand on that a little bit? What what did you mean by neglecting? Is it they're not? Is it an awareness issue or is it a priority issue? What is that? I think it's a, a little bit of a, a priority and awareness. I also think it's intentional neglect because uh, certain people have other aspirations when they're in their political careers and they may not want to seem like there's an issue in Fort Bend County. To me, I'd rather call out the problem, address it, and attack it vigorously like we have versus ignoring it and pretending like it doesn't exist. And uh, that that's the main thing. And I know Jesse uh, is, you know, like me in many ways. He's his own man and he's got his own plan. But the point is, Jesse is not a politician and neither am I. I'm not out to do that. I'll let him jump in. Scott, like you said, I, I'm not a politician. <laughs> you know, uh, I've been on the streets all my life. 
I'm not going to back down. There's a problem. We're going to address it. We're going to talk about it. If I need more manpower, I'm going to address it also. You're going to need the manpower to address it. We can't go backwards and say we don't need the manpower for this. Uh, a quick story. My son, uh, when he got injured, you know, he took off the badge and took off the gun. And he was walking. Actually, he was driving on the road. And he sees a young woman on the side of the road. And this is a true story. And uh, his cop instinct kicked in. And he looked at her and saw that she was appeared to be hurt. So instead of keep on driving, he could, you know, he turned around, turned around, came back, uh, approached the young lady, say, hey, you okay? And she just didn't want to talk. So he makes it a point to get off his vehicle and talk to her again, at which point he did, he came to the conclusion that, yeah, this, this something's wrong here. Well, long story short, he offers a ride, takes her to the gas station, calls the police, the sheriff's office, and it turns out that, yeah, she was involved in, she was a victim of human trafficking. And so it's out there. doesn't matter where you live. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it's not, it's not, it doesn't happen. It does happen. So on, under my watch, I'll let you guys know what's really going on. I'll let you know what we need to combat this fight. Help me fight this problem. I don't want to go back to the old ways. Jesse, let's um, stay with you just for a second if we can. Let's discuss another widespread problem, gangs as well as graffiti. How are gangs affecting Fort Bend County specifically and and for, for the youth primarily and since that's where a lot of it starts? Well, I can tell you that graffiti is alive and well in Fort Bend County, especially in Katy. The problem is, and it's not a problem, it's a good thing. Let me just rephrase that that the Katy residents, HOAs, MUD districts are able to afford to take care of the problem pretty fast. So in other words, as soon as they see graffiti, they send people out there. They got lawn people, they got just people that go out there and looking, making sure that their neighborhood doesn't get filled up with graffiti. So as soon as it happens, they do report it, but immediately go out there and wash it off. <laughs> and so a lot of people don't get to see this problem. The report's made, it's been filed. Of course, sometimes you don't have witnesses or you don't have cameras that caught it or whatever the reason might be, the case might be closed. So nobody knows about it. But that's the only good thing about the residents in, in, uh, in Katy that they take care of it immediately. But there is a problem, it just hasn't been exposed. And who takes care of uh, the defacing of public property? Um, you see a lot of graffiti on freeway overpasses and things like that. How is that taken care of? Well, on the freeways in Houston, I don't know how they do the, their thing, but mm -hmm. most of the areas that we have in Katy mm -hmm. are managed by HOAs mm -hmm. or mud districts. Mm -hmm. So they're really active, mm -hmm. proactive. So when they see it get reported, mm -hmm. they take care of it right away. Yeah. So that's why, I mean, you lived here for quite a while. Yes, 27. I mean, as far as graffiti goes, you barely saw it. But it's there. Yeah. When you did see it, I remember you asking me, me what's going on? And then also the next day it's gone. Yeah. It's just that the good thing is the people who are here in Fort Bend County are proactive. And I like that. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's not happening. It shouldn't just be it should not be happening at all to start with. Yeah. Why spend your hard work money to do getting rid of graffiti? Yeah, and I've always wondered, like when I do see it, 
I, I wonder how, because some of it's so well done. I mean, it's not like they get up there in five minutes and, and they do this art, you know, how they can get away with doing it for that amount of time without getting caught in the act. It's just personal yeah, curious, that, curiosity on my part, I guess. Yeah, some of them are very good at what they do. And, and you know, I wish they put their <clears throat> talent to other uses maybe. But uh, I think Jesse covered it real well. Yeah. You know, but we also in Precinct 3 cover, cover areas such as Town West as you head over to Sugar Creek, where those areas do not have the capability like Cinco Ranch does to have a crew go out within 24 hours and cover this up. So although we have had efforts to cover up graffiti in the past in some of those areas as we get closer to Town West and Four Corners, which uh, goes into Precinct 4, uh, the, the, the best thing to do is to cover it up quickly. But we also lose the ability to track and document what's going on. So I had an interesting conversation just about two weeks ago with a Cinco Ranch property manager in one of our areas out here. And uh, I asked her, I said, please send us copies of this, these pictures of the graffiti before you cover it up mm -hmm. so that we can know who's operating out here and what's going on. If you go to town West, sometimes it doesn't get covered up. So we do get involved. We get road and bridge out there or, or some other entity. Uh, sometimes it's a private organization. Maybe they, maybe it's a business owner that needs to cover up stuff that they just have been letting sit too long. If you let it sit too long, it tends to bring other gang activity and then they mark or tag over it. And then it's just a, a never ending cycle. So, uh, we try to address that quickly, but we need to know about it. We know it does occur again. It's just two different areas of our precinct that operate totally different. Is the graffiti normally associated with gangs? Uh, the kind we, we see, yes, uh, mm -hmm. it is. It is definitely uh, gang associated. We last year I sent about 10 guys to gang identification school in Harris County, and uh, they are able to identify the, the gang graffiti and, and know which groups that belongs to. So, for instance, we have seen Aryan Brotherhood, MS-13, uh, we've seen some Florencia 13, which is uh, actually a uh, California prison gang that's kind of uh, filtered over this way. And um, and then we see the, the tagging wars going back and forth. You know, gangs out here operate differently than, than they do in California. You think of these uh, shootouts in the street and things like that. Uh, that doesn't fly here. You know, somebody, if they see somebody walking down the street and it's four or five people and they have a certain color bandana or markers on them, they're going to call. They know not to do that here. They're operating just like uh, some other issues like prostitution. They're operating behind the scenes. They, they, they will adapt their operations to the environment they're in. Mm, sort of camouflage right. themselves, so to speak. Right. Mm, interesting. Wayne, we'll stay with you for a second if we can. Many think of prostitution as mostly an inner city issue. How big of a problem is that in Fort Bend County? I, I, I certainly know it's it's a problem, and we and we know that from the operations we've been involved in, and just kind of to go off of what we just talked about, you know, there is a different method of operation for those people that are victimizing the prostitutes, and really most of the time that's what it is. You know, people have this idea that the prostitutes out there because they want to be, generally nine times out of ten, that is not the case. Does it happen? Yes. But generally, that's not the case. They're being trafficked or forced into it by, by someone, and they are being moved around by that person. You are not going to go down a street and see a prostitute in high heels and a short skirt in Fort Bend County. But uh, that's, that's, the old, that's the old thing about how people can 
see the prostitution. Oh, they see her on the street corner, dressed up like a small skirt, you know, lifting her skirt, yelling at people, hey, honey, let me $50, you know, whatever. That doesn't happen anymore, Scott. We're talking about the 20th century here. We're talking computers. You got your iPhones, you got your, your watches now, your ads, Craigslist. It's all discreet behind the doors. Hmm. And there's a lot going on. I've, I've met a few gentlemen that deal with this uh, in the attorney's office, and they're telling me how, what a big problem it is. And we're talking, before you know it, it's been hours. It's interesting how technology has taken over the prostitution rings and just, it's, it's horrible. The young kids that get involved, the chat rooms they get into, how they track these kids and take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. Constable Thompson was saying earlier about, you know, human trafficking, prostitution. Mm-hmm. It's all tied in. Mm-hmm. We gotta do something about it now. Mm-hmm. We can't pretend we live in a little bubble in Cinco Ranch or any other area that is in the, that we don't think this is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's out there. Mm-hmm. It just needs to come out to light. And, and so because it is electronic now, how do you, uh, how are you able to identify the, the crime being local to Fort Bend uh, and since it is based on mostly computer and stuff like that? Well, this is where a lot of divisions come in. Mm-hmm. You have different agencies. You got HPD, DPS, Rangers. You got everybody that gets involved. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to isolate it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's everywhere. I'm not just saying that it's in Fort Bend County and it doesn't exist anywhere else. It's everywhere, all right? We need to try to keep it from coming in. And in order for for us to do that, we need to work with the other agencies to figure out exactly how to keep it out mm-hmm. from here. Mm-hmm. And these guys are good, man. I, I, I tell you, I'm, I've been so interested in this because I want to be able to find out. And technology, I like technology. I mean, I keep up with iPhones, iPads, a whole nine yards, computers. Um, I don't know, you know, so I want to get heavily involved in this mm-hmm. and just tell the people the truth, what's going on, yeah. because telling the people the truth is the only way that we're going to get more people, more police officers, uh, more people that, that deal with computer crimes, mm-hmm. computer crimes. That's where it's at. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. Wayne, last time in the, uh, first podcast, and now you, you've brought up the, the SWAT division a couple times and, uh, the length of time specifically it takes to get all the way down from Rosenberg to to further up this way. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the SWAT program and, and how you see it moving forward in the future? Sure, absolutely. We, uh, we got to the point in Precinct 3 where after uh, being in office for a little while, I realized there's quite a void in the protection. So we have three school districts, as I've mentioned. That's KDISD, Fort Bend ISD, and then Lamar Consolidated ISD. And, uh, and although two of those have their own police department many times, just like everywhere else, they're, they're struggling to, to cover all their properties and people. And so, you know, I have a heart for making sure our people and children are safe. So I did two things. One, I instituted a program where all of our deputies are required to walk a school that's in their area or nearby their area, whether it's a patrol area or contract area, at least once a week. And they can go inside, they can walk outside, they're gonna meet with the school resource officer, and they're gonna get to know that layout personally. And so that's required, whether they've got a school district cop there or not, we're gonna be in that building, not to take over their job, not to duplicate what they do, but to overlap. Because you never know, you know, if that officer's gonna be there on campus or gone, or whatever happens, maybe in a violent situation, they're injured or killed. 
So we're there as an overlap. Secondly, our SWAT team, which is operated by the sheriff's office, their vehicle is located at the uh, Rosenberg uh, annex or area, if you'll call it that, the main office of the sheriff's office. And so you have to get that vehicle out here and assemble a team, which could take 30 minutes to an hour if, if you're, you know, everything in the moon and stars align. And that's just not good enough out here. We've got 272 square miles. And if you can imagine going from one end of the county to the other, and the amount of time that would take and to assemble a team. So I got with one of our local fire departments, it's community fire department, and uh, they had been training up for tactical medics. Fort Benny EMS will not send their medics into a hot zone, which is an active uh, zone where uh, killing or violence is taking place. And that's understandable. A lot of them don't. Those are medics, and, and you got to keep those people back to, to save the, the ones that are dying. But uh, we instituted a program with our SWAT team that was a dual tactical medic SWAT team. So we have... All of those operators trained at the SWAT level. We even brought the the medics to the law enforcement SWAT training, which to our knowledge has not been done before. And they were all certified as SWAT operators. And the goal is that they can actually go in with the team uh, and be the front line. So if there's a student or a person that's dying, they have a medic there with our team that can render care, stabilize them, and get them out the doors to the other medics waiting outside, which that doesn't happen right now. That's my main goal is to have that program there for hostage situations, school shootings, and, and acts of violence that are happening rapidly. As we know, many of the active shooters occur actually in less than 10 minutes, seven minutes in some occasions, and the event is over. Hmm. And um, in that event usually only gets over when law enforcement shows up and the shooter or killer takes their own life or we take them out. Hmm. So... We have a team that's here on the streets. I can get that armored rescue vehicle out within minutes because it's housed at a local fire station. So they'll bring it just like a fire truck. We have capabilities, firefighting capabilities on that armored vehicle. It's also armored to protect those that are injured. We can get people out and it delivers the SWAT team to, to the incident directly in a protected environment so they can operate. That's very important. We can't just rely ever on one thing or one group. And it's kind of like they told us back in the military, you know, uh, one gun is, is good, right? But two is better. So we have an analogy. One is none and two is one. And it certainly doesn't hurt to have two capable SWAT teams available for the county, regardless of what anyone else thinks. I will never back down from protecting the people that live here. And I know Jesse won't either. Yeah. Well, let's, let's wrap up with some final thoughts. Um, Wayne, while you're still on the mic, uh, if you would, just um, maybe, and we talked a little bit about this in the first podcast, but kind of summarize up what um how important it is for the voters to vote right. and bring jesse into office and and what will the transition be like mm -hmm. i mean certainly uh, after uh jesse's voted in you'll be around right. and you guys are obviously a great team already working together mm -hmm. so maybe speak to that a little sure. bit <laughs> so I, I i would personally like to say that uh, you know, this has been an amazing experience for me. I'm still serving for 11 more months, and we're doing great things. As Jesse mentioned, we just started our motorcycle traffic program to help uh, increase safety on the roadway and, and keep that mobility moving, uh, which benefits everybody, right? And then uh, we have some other programs that are going to be rolled out here in the next month. We have continued, and I will continue until December 31st, midnight, uh, to work in this role like I always have done. Uh, Jesse and I have a great working relationship, and my job is to turn that place over in better condition than I found it. I can guarantee that happened, uh, and it will happen. Uh, Jesse and I have talked about what is going on in Precinct 3 and the needs, and you know more so 
I know Jesse's heart and I know where his mind is, but I know what his heart is. And I, and you can always tell, you know, he, he's not a politician. You can tell when people talk the game and, and talk the talk, but when they really, really walk the walk and Jesse has done that, uh, for the people of precinct three, I can tell you that this, this, we're at a crossroads right now. We can make the decision, either keep moving forward as Jesse has mentioned many times in his campaign, or we can go backwards. I think the people of Precinct 3 deserve better than to go backwards four years to where they were before when the constable's office did not have the capabilities as we do today. We've utilized training. We've utilized the proper use of money to increase our resources. And we've even found innovative ways that have not impacted the taxpayers, thankfully due to our great working relationship with the commissioner, to avoid any tax increases, which we have not done with any of these programs. And I know Jesse knows about that, but I'll just leave people with this. Uh, They've got to get out and share this information. They've got to share the podcast when it comes out. They've got to get out and tell people, you know, contact 10 other people, get them to the polls, ask them, have you been there? Have you voted yet? Share the Facebook post, share what Jesse's message is, because that's my message now. And I'm going to live in precinct three. Jesse's his own man. He's got his own plan and he's got some other exciting things. And and, uh, we're going to work together, but I know he's going to do great on his own. And I'll always be there as a resource for for anyone if they need me, uh, whether it's in Fort Benner, Harris County. But I'm just blessed to know that when I decided not to run, that Jesse was still available, uh, you know, when he ran from 2008. Jesse, final thoughts? Scott, as you know, I've never held back. You know, and we, I said this before that in about four months, I was going to hang it up. And Wayne calls me and again, puts this big rock on me. At that point, I didn't, you know, I didn't ask him what was going on. I didn't ask him what's up, you know, just said, yes, sir. Because I know what he's done in this in Princeton 3. I know the hard work he's done. We've talked in the past. But this is where I'm coming at. As soon as I picked up, as soon as I, I signed up, I've been fighting. And it wasn't as soon as I signed that paper, wrote that check to get in for the fight. I've been fighting every single day. I wake up in the morning. I go to work. I leave work and I keep on working until about 9, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, sometimes even 12 o'clock at night. I don't care if I don't get no sleep. I'm going to continue to fight every day. I wasn't going to rely on the constable endorsing me. I wasn't going to rely on the Christian magazine from Katie endorsing me. I was going to rely on what I know how to do is fight and fight and keep on fighting for these people because I can't afford to let the good work that Wayne Thompson has done go to waste. You know, I want to be there to pick it up, continue moving forward, continue to do better things in, in this office, get more manpower because the people here in Princeton 3 deserve that. I will not stop fighting. I will work at night. I work in the evening, not just daytime. I'm not going to go to work just in, during the daytime and get in my office. No, nah, I'm going to get out with the guy and the, and the guys in the, with the trenches, and I'm going to get out there and work with them so they know who their boss is and, and their boss is going to work with them. So, yeah, I got in this not for the, for the title. I got in this to help the people because I could have retired 
but it ain't gonna happen. I'm ready. I'm ready to fight, Scott. You know me. Let's go. Let's get this done. Let's do this. Vote for Jesse Zamaripa, Precinct 3 Constable. Please, guys, get out there and vote. I'm asking you. I know I'm asking a lot, but I need you to ask your friends, your family, to ask that one person to get 10 more people out there who want to get this done. I can't sit here and work for you as hard as I can if I'm not elected. I promise you, I'll work extremely hard for you. I've been doing this. Every stick that goes on the ground, every sign, every I've walked miles and miles and miles uh, knocking on doors. I will continue. And I promise you that I'm not going to be a politician. I will tell you the truth. If something's wrong, you call me, I will tell you. Thanks, God, for giving me this opportunity to talk to you guys. I appreciate it. Of course. And to our Yerkron listeners, I think one of the most important words uh, used there is share, mm-hmm. because that is the way to get this out. Share this podcast and, and listen to it. We've discussed some very important issues that are facing Fort Bend County. And so vote for Jesse Z for Precinct 3. Thank you both again for being on Yerkron to discuss these very important issues. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Hey everyone, Scott here to let you know about a special promotion we're having at Your Cron. We are looking for companies that would like to advertise on our podcast. So we are offering advertising space at $25 per podcast. That's only 25 bucks to have your business on a podcast episode. That means every time the episode is played, people are going to hear about your business. And your commercial stays on that podcast forever. So that's a great deal, right? So if you're interested, email me, scott at yourcron.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at Y-O-U-R-C-H-R-O-N.com. Scott at yourcron.com. I would love to hear from you.